0: You are now entering a world, a world beyond the reach of the average eye, a world filled with wondrous imagination, where good and evil are in an epic struggle, an everlasting fight, where courage and bravery lurk around every corner, and the magic of the mind is unleashed. Welcome to every World. In the last episode of Every World Stories, Jane, Jane Danger, still licking her wounds from a sleeps in her office while her mother stays in their old apartment. Jane, in her newfound wealth, is building a new house for her mother, who has certainly found her spirituality. Jane's mother invites her to the church where Father Morrison asks her. To go to a nun's commissary to keep watch over nine nuns, all expected to be killed. But the two weekly killer, who is offing men and women of the clergy every two weeks, an increasing number of threes.
1: That's where I saw him, Sister Margaret said as she pointed toward the brush leading to a dark path to the vast blackness that laid behind the commissary. Rustling in the bushes. I thought it was some type of rodent. Until I got close enough to see his eyes staring back at me, blue and piercing. I turned back to the sister. A sixty-year-old nun dressed in her traditional garb. She didn't seem afraid as she told me the story. More of a strong exterior, and I admired that. When was the last time you saw him? I asked her. Friday. Then Wednesday before that. Did he show up last Monday? I asked trying to see if I can figure out a pattern. Possible. She said, her eyes flaring wide as she thought about it. Ah, Sister Gladys did notice something, some strange noises coming from outside her window on... Uh, I, I think it was Monday. Alright, seemed like this man runs on a pattern. Killing every two weeks, adding three bodies each time, coming around here every two days, scouting his target. Which means he'll be here tonight, she says. that gave me pause. I had almost forgotten it was Sunday night. I looked out to the brush once more with a more focused look. I had almost forgotten what it was like to be in a potentially life-threatening situation until this very moment. There's a rush, a thrill to it. Knowing that at any moment a cold-blooded killer could pop out of the night to lay down his very rage of vengeance upon thee. Along with the thrill comes a rush of fear so gripping, so paralyzing It almost freezes one to the ground they stand on. Knowing that, at this very moment, out here in the darkness behind this religious commissary in the blackness of the night, the person that could be my end is looking at me right now. I embraced both at the time, now I dread either. You said Sister Gladys heard noises outside on Monday. That's right. I believe she was cleaning the kitchen alone at night. Show me. The kitchen was large and mostly empty. The gray walls and floor gave it a cold feeling only well, matching that of the appliances and the small metal tables and chairs that lined the vast floor. Well, this place is modern. I said, noticing the contrast between this place and the older exterior of the building. Father Morrison has been trying to renovate this place for some time. We were able to complete the kitchen, but the rest of the fixings were put on hold. Can I ask why? Funding. You wouldn't believe it, Miss Danger, but the people of the Catholic Church don't have much money as it once did. People don't donate as much as they used to, especially with these black prophets going around claiming God wants them to be equal to white men. And that has an effect on the church? Has it? The church is split, some for and some against. I wonder why people of God would be against other people being made equal. Isn't that the question? She as she turned to me, giving me a look that more than forced me to look right into her eyes. Change is difficult for people to understand. It's an ideal that what was will never be again. This is very scary to people, especially to those in power. And the Catholic Church has had plenty of power especially here in America. Power is often threatened by new ideas, which is why Joseph Smith was chased out of the States. And these revolutionaries, these black men and women, they are a threat to the church. Are they a threat to the church? Because I've been hired to protect you. She chuckled at my question. I'm also a threat to the church, Miss Danger. She said, looking away from me, finally freeing me from the trance of eye contact. Why? You wanted to see me, Mother Margaret. A high-pitched voice comes out of the hallway on the far side of the room. Ah, Sister Gladys, yes. I would like you to show Miss Danger here where you heard those noises you reported on Monday night. Certainly. She said as she walked over to the large double sink and reenacted her motions. I think mostly for her sake, not ours. I was finishing up the dishes. The water was running, but I swore I had heard some metallic clanging coming from behind me. So I shut the water off and walked over to the back of the room. She did as she said, staring out into the windowless room, just looking at the wall. I waited for a while. When I was sure it was quiet, I did the last dish. That's when I heard a thud come from just outside the wall. Did you go investigate it? I asked. No, I waited to hear anything else but didn't, so finished and went to bed. You heard thuds banging outside and you just went to bed? I thought I heard noises. I I reported them and went to bed. You thought you heard noises, but you did nothing to confirm. I pressed, finding her frail exterior partly offensive. She was in her late thirties, yet acted like a scared schoolchild. We do not go out into the unknown, Miss Danger. Sister Margaret chimed in with some delightful force that was quite refreshing from the frail gladness that stood in front of me. We don't throw ourselves into the thongs of peril. That is your job. All right. Well, let me do my job. What's outside the wall that someone would want to break into? There was a silence that overtook them both, as they thought. I waited patiently. Try not to provoke any more attention from Margaret or tears from Gladys. The wine cellar, Sister Margaret finally said. What the hell's a church doing with the wine cellar? I asked. Not suspicious, just genuinely curious. Where do you think that Sunday wine comes from, Miss Danger? The Lord's Veins? Sister Margaret joked, and I had no choice but to crack a smile as she had stopped me on that one. Okay. Do people break into your wine cellar often? Surprisingly, no. People in this town respect the church. Not even the drunks try to steal something. There's enough in this town to go around anyway. So why target the wine cellar, I pressed? Is there a way into the building from it? Sister Margaret hesitated, looking disturbed by that realization. Yes. But only someone that lives here would have access to the wine cellar. Well, he doesn't have to have access if he can break either door down. That's not what I'm saying. No one knows that the wine cellar connects directly to the building. It's detached. Only the sisters know this. This gave me more than pause. I thought I was here to protect innocent nuns. Now I'm seeing that one of them may be not as innocent as they seem. I bet it's Gladys. Show me." I said. Margaret and Gladys walked me down a long hallway. The lights were dim and the fluorescent lights were stretched at least fifteen feet apart, leaving us in darkness for at least six or seven steps at a time, before coming back into some sort of light. It was in one of these dark spots that they stopped and looked down. There, in the middle of the hallway, was a hatch, locked from the outside. They paused and shared a look of shared realization. They didn't acknowledge my presence for a few moments. That's when I cut my way to the front of both of them and crouched down to get a closer look at the hatch. That's when I saw what had given them pause. A cold chill ran down my spine. That rush of excitement is now gone and the dread sinks its teeth into my very being as I realize that this thriller I was in had turned into a nightmare as I picked up the broken lock and held it in my hand. Call the police, I said to Margaret. She nodded and sped down the hall back towards the kitchen to the nearest phone. That's when I turned to Gladys. Where are the other nuns? I commanded, not sure if I could trust her completely, but that's what gave me the idea to have her be my guide. The third floor is where the nuns slept. It was pitch black, but that was only because the hallway lights were off. Why is it so dark in here? I complained. It's lights out. The nurses will be asleep, Gladys said. Can we get the lights back on? I asked Gladys. The electrical room's down the hall. I'll be back. You need my flashlight? I asked, finally showing an ounce of kindness towards her. She seemed annoyed by it. I don't blame her. I had to be annoying her. There was something about her soft exterior that just pissed me off. I know my way around, she said as she walked off into the darkness of the hallway, and I was alone in the dark with only my shotgun and pistol to protect me. I would be lying to say that I was not in the least bit scared. This place was straight out of a campsite ghost story. It's funny what you notice when you can't see a damn thing. What you hear. But more importantly, what you feel. The draft of cold wind gusts through the hallway every second or so, sending a loud whisper down the hall from a different direction each time that had me jumping and turning to see where it was coming from, only to find another empty piece of the hole. The chill it gave me was something that I remember till this day, the sound of dripping water. I couldn't figure out, was it a leaky pipe, a sink left on? I never knew and certainly was not about to go towards it to find out, but one thing that I did understand is that there was potentially a killer in the building, and Gladys had been gone for quite some time. I went out to go find her. I started out following her path, figuring I only saw her for about five feet before she disappeared from sight, so it was clear that I was lost. In about fifteen feet, I was stopped by a wall in my way. A dead end that split it into two other hallways. Left or right. I looked both ways several times, not sure which way to go. Gladys. I whispered down the hall. I waited as my voice echoed. Gladys. Are you there, Miss Danger? A voice came from behind me that startled me so much that I pulled my pistol and held it right up to this poor nun's face. What the hell are you doing sneaking up on me? I nearly shouted, not for a second removing the gun from her face as I backed her up into a wall. You know I could have blown your head off! Well, I I thought you needed help! The poor woman said in tears. Looking back at it, I'm pretty sure she peed herself. Is everything okay? Another squeaky high-pitched voice comes out of the darkness behind me and I damn near pulled the trigger as I turned around. If that gun was cocked, someone would have lost their life. Do you guys understand I have a gun in my hand? I shouted now, no longer trying to be quiet. I was even more irritated when I saw the person who scared me was Gladys. Gladys, where the hell did you go? The electrical room. Why aren't the lights back on? I heard the commotion before I could finish the... Go turn the lights on! I yelled. She was startled by my intensity as she backpedaled toward the electrical room. Wait! I said, I'm coming with you. I turned back to the nun I held at gunpoint. I'm sorry. I said as I bolted my pistol. There may be someone in here. I just need you to go back to your room while I investigate. I told her, and the fear on her face was more than I thought it was going to be. She looked past me and at Gladys. It. it. is it. Charlie? She said with a stutter. Who's Charlie? I asked, but was ignored as Gladys rushed past me and over to this nun who she called Sister Joan. No, Gladys began with an urgency in her voice that had my heart racing and curiosity piqued. He cannot hurt you anymore. He's locked away in that damned institution. I'm sorry, who is Charlie? I damn near screamed to get them to stop and notice me. That's when the lights came on, finally illuminating the hallway. We looked down the left hallway oh, to see Sister Margaret and a man I did not recognize walking towards us. Charlie was an unwell man who had an obsession with Sister Joan. He was handled and committed to Trustin's Clinic for the Mentally Unwell. And he has been there ever since. Miss Danger, meet Agent Mark Sparks. He works for the FBI. Pleasure to meet you, Miss Danger. I've heard a lot about you. He said And I couldn't tell if that was a good or bad thing, by the blunt nature of his tone. Mark was a man of fifty. He looked the age of sixty, though, the lines on his face sagged his cheeks nearly off his chin. I don't want to make fun of the man, but it was clear that life had took a hammer to this man and made him a cold, unfeeling robotic shell. This was all off of a first impression, of course. He didn't even extend his hand to shake mine. I didn't either, so I guess we were two peas in a pod. Hey, I said, barely acknowledging him. What do you mean, obsessed? I asked, turning my attention back to Sister Margaret. He had a strong attraction to Sister Joan, that- No, 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 you didn't say strong attraction. You said obsessed. That's different. He stalked me, Sister Joan said, sounding as if she let it slip out by accident. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. I said, and looking back on it now, I can see how I may have been viewed as an arrogant prick. I could tell she wasn't supposed to say that, the way Sister Margaret shot her a nasty look, devilish, for someone so holy. And you said he's in Trustins He was committed last summer, and he'll be there a long time, Sister Margaret assured me. Trustins isn't a place for the criminally insane. Patients can commit themselves, and if the doctor approves be released. I said to them, and the room went quiet. Get everyone in the kitchen, Agent Sparks said. We're going to search the place from top to bottom. We were all rounded by the FBI agents and local police officers and placed in a large kitchen. I was set away from the nuns as to not further my interrogation. I was also reminded by several officers and agents of the legality of interrogating these women. I was hired to survey the building and report any suspicious activity. As far as they were concerned, that's all I should be doing. But I couldn't help run the clues in my mind over and over again. This Charlie person strikes special interest. A man obsessed with one nun kills nine just to get to her. That doesn't add up. But it's a start. A suspect. You make quite the impression. Agent Spark starts as he walks over to me. I looked back at him, then away, trying to signal that I don't want to be talked to. No luck, as he continued to press forward. So I've been told. Okay, kid. Jane. All right, Jane. I'm Mark. I know. Hey, Mark. You want to start by telling me what you know? Not really. Are you refusing to cooperate in a federal investigation? I paused, thinking of the red tape I'd find myself tied in if I continued down this route. Is this a federal investigation now? It has been for the past three days. He says as he pulls up a chair and sits down right next to me. I know the police around here don't like getting involved in their matters. I know they are threatened by you. I know that makes you bitter, but I got no problem with women, especially those smarter than me. So tell me what you know. Help me stop these women from dying. I don't know much. I was hired by Father Morrison to keep an eye on these women. He fears for their safety. I can see why. He chimed in. The way this two-week killer is multiplying his number of victims, nine is the next number. There's nine nuns that live and work here. Adds up. And now you add Charlie into the mix. That was interesting, wasn't it? I said nothing as it was a clear attempt in trying to get me to attach myself to this case. If he was released and if he is doing this, then... Let me stop you there, Mark. I was hired to keep an eye on these women, not chase leads. We both know you're going to chase leads. But since you want to put it that way, fine. Don't help me. But don't go rogue. Start investigating like a detective. You find something, it comes to me. I thought you weren't threatened by me. I'm not. Doesn't mean I can let you get involved in a federal investigation. I will check in on Charlie. I'll have my men talk to Dr. Trustin. If I need your help, I'll ask. But until I personally reach out to you, I'm begging you. Keep out of this. It'll keep your hands free of the cuffs. I looked into his eyes as he finished. I couldn't tell how serious he was. He was a very emotionalist person. He did not invoke my trust, though. But my promise to George stands. I was to inspire good and not rest until that was done. I can't inspire anyone if I gave in to the first man who pleaded with me to stay out of his way. I read your case back in L.A. He continued, and at this point I wasn't sure he was trying to win me over or crush my spirit. You're good. No. I'm great. But greatness is often denied and never appreciated in his time, and I will be both. You're right. So, if you are as great as we both know you are, You'll find a way to step on my toes. He says with a bit of a chuckle that that was the first time I saw an ounce of emotion in his face. It was nice. Looking forward to it. I said with a smile. I have a few more questions for you, Jane. He said as
0: he asked away. Next Next time on on Avery World Stories... Jane Danger goes back to her office to lick her wounds from a long night. but an expected call from a distant lover. And an unexpected visit from her mother. Shake her to her core. As you exit our world, remember, life is what you make it. So make it joyous, make it wonderful, and make it filled with imagination.